The Mind Body Detective aims to empower and educate individuals who are on a health journey that is evolving their mind, body and spirit. So I'm here today with Anne Bowditch, who is um, the author of a new book called The Energy of Anxiety, which has just been released and is available on Amazon. Um, and um, I am going to place a link for this in uh, the write up and below the podcast. So um, please do click and go and order your copy. And we're going to have a conversation now with Anne um, and talk a little bit about the book and what it is that's brought her to write this and her own personal journey. So hi Anne, thanks for joining me today. Hello, pleasure. Hi, and you are my first MBD podcast guest, so it's really exciting. <laughs> so, I feel honoured. Oh, I'm honoured. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm really excited to have you here. Um, I've been waiting for this book from you for some time because I always sort of felt it was bubbling away and, um, and there waiting to emerge so uh, it's very exciting to receive this in the post and um, and to to see you putting your very unique insights and personality and the way that you work onto the page so um, yeah I thought it'd be really interesting to ask you a little bit about um you know, some of your background and what it is that sort of brought you to where you are now. Um, yeah, well, thank you for your kind words, firstly. Um, you probably knew I was preparing a book before I did, I imagine. I know what your your intuition is like. Um, yeah, my background's probably not what maybe people would expect because if you ask me, probably even 10 years ago, what would I be doing? Being a therapist was not something that was on my radar, really. So I almost feel that I fell into it um, as a uh, sort of, not exactly an accident, but as a means to um, various connections. Um, my background really is, you know, I come from Guernsey, in the Channel Islands. So my background is office work, which is quite common over here. And I spent many years working in an office. And actually it was my husband who at some point said to me, well, because I was thinking about taking exams. And he said, well, if you're gonna take exams, why not do something you're interested in? And sport is very much um, my background. Um, I've done a lot of um, competitive cycling over the years. and competed in a few other sports but cycling my main one and um, I thought well maybe I'll be a personal trainer so I did my qualifications for that and very quickly left finance and um, became a personal trainer and I ran my own business doing that for three years and whilst I was running that business some of my clients would say to me well if only you could hypnotize me not to eat the chocolate, the cake, the pies or whatever. 
And a number of people said this to me and I thought, well, okay, I'll do that. I mean, you know what I'm like. I'm quite sort of, I'm not necessarily someone who does huge planning into things. I just make a decision and then I work out how I'm going to do it. Um, And then, you know, the one thing I do feel very blessed with is I've always had amazing trainers, the people that have trained me in whatever I've done. I always feel I've been incredible. I, I, I seem to, if you like, manifest brilliant, brilliant trainers. And I had a great um, hypnotherapist trainer. And then through doing that, it's sort of very quickly, I thought, yeah, hypnotherapy is great, but I also feel I need a few other tools. And so I was sort of looking at what other people were doing and very quickly found emotional freedom technique and then, well, you probably from there on know pretty much how the story tends to go because from there you lead into a lot of other energy and holistic type therapies and the options are endless to what you can do. Um, but I, like, as you pointed out, I found my own unique way of working, which does involve a lot of my own personal sort of personality. And, you know, it does come into my work, particularly, you know, my one-to-one work with clients, it comes in there. and um, I'm told it's also comes out in my book as well. It's Um, evident in your book. In every page that you turn in the book, there is a a personal aspect and and a lot of your personality comes out in all of those pages. And some really, you know, difficult subjects, some of these can be, um, is, is really lightened by the touch of your personality and the way that you write about things. So... I love the the way that you take some um, some issues that can be so heavy, so dense um, to work with, and actually, you know, throughout the book, you've given really beautiful and very light, um, uh, you know, explanation of of why those things occur um, and simple and light ways that people can. Um, actually begin to rethink things and address their issues in a way that when you actually read through the book seems like gosh that seems so simple we know obviously you know in in many ways that using these sort of tools and techniques um, that that the that the work can be very very simple can be very light but um, there's there's a, a a lovely way that your energy and your enthusiasm and your sense of humour and that just general lightness of being that, that is you um, and unique to you comes through in the book. So that was something that, you know, and, and that's not actually an easy thing to necessarily do when you're writing a book. So um, I think that, you know, in that sense, it's lovely to have your personality in the book because it feels as though you're in the room as you read the book and you get a really good sense of that so it's a great thing um, thank you <laughs> so and you were very very modest actually about your achievements in sports <laughs> <laughs> so although you actually um you sort of papered over them very lightly I'd like to sort of um for you to be able to give us um a little bit inf- more information on that because um 
you know, I understand, you know, that transition from office work and into the work that you do now was very much the, the sports and your personal sort of sports journey as an athlete and actually as a very successful athlete, I would also say, um, has been really, as far as I understand, it's been a key part of the transformation of moving from that one, um, you know, from out of office work and into the work that you now do. Um, and it seems as though that's a very integral part of who you are as a person as well and finding who you are as an individual, which as we know is a very important part of anybody's journey in terms of any healing work they do um, in, in their own life. So um, would you be able to give us a little bit more insight into your, your actual achievements and, and your sort of um, athletic history and how you feel that that may have also have fed into the work that you do now? Yeah, I mean, sport for me, you're right, it is a huge part of my life. Um, and I, in Guernsey particularly, I'm known, probably slightly less so now, but I was very much known as Anne the Cyclist. Um, and people knew me as that, I think, before they thought of me as anything else. And so there is a sort of, if you like sporting persona and I do think that when I'm competing there is a different personality that comes out there um you know very very focused part of me um and cycling is a sport that is very time consuming and an element of quite technical so you have to have that if you want to do well in it you have to look at every aspect every aspect of your life and certainly for for many years I I suppose in many ways particularly before I worked for myself, I lived and breathed cycling. Obviously, once you start working for yourself, priorities have to change a bit then and um, cycling had to take a bit of a back seat. Probably some of my, well, probably the achievements I'm most proud of are my three national hill climb titles. Um, it suits the type of rider I am, um, being sort of quite light power to weight, um, and the sort of punchy type of rider I am. Um, and we also have this great tournament every two years called the Island Games. Um, and um, that's always been a, a great thing. In 2003, we held it in Guernsey. And um, I got four out of the five possible gold medals in that. And I've, I've done three Commonwealth Games as well in cycling. Um, so cycling, you know, it's a big part of me. But, you know, in terms of sort of linking it in probably with the book and, and issues within the book and when we're talking about well-being and mental health, I have at times felt that cycling saved me um, or sport saved me from possible other directions that my life could have gone because I, you know, I've always been quite a, not a conformist type of person, um, <laughs> which I know won't surprise you at all. Um, so, you know, as a, as a sort of, you know, teenager, I, you know, I did things that teenagers do, um, you know, maybe occasionally drank alcohol when I shouldn't be drinking alcohol, had cigarettes when I shouldn't be having cigarettes, did nothing, you know, terrible, but I could have easily, I think, gone down a route that wasn't so healthy and, um, you know, 
maybe didn't channel um, certain emotions. And sport was a great way for me of giving me focus, giving me something to go for. And probably the first thing that really made me believe in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me years and years and years and probably only till about two years ago that I actually believed in myself academically, if you like, or in, intelligently in that way, sort of to think that, oh, actually I am, I do have um, some intelligence, which might sound like a strange thing, but I failed the 11 plus and I think that had quite a strong effect on my own self-esteem. And it, like I say, it took me till a couple of years ago and it was through my ther- doing my therapy work that I thought, actually, I do have something to offer in an intelligence way, if you like, in an academic way, but it's, it's different, you know, it's just different. Mm-hmm. And I think all of these things help me and my background, my life and all of those experiences myself now well into my 40s compared to if I'd been a therapist in my 20s I think those life experiences are invaluable um and I think they sort of therefore help me um be able to understand people um just give me a good understanding of you know some of the experiences people have I'm a very empathetic person um but for me what's important is when someone comes in to me as a therapist with a problem, I want to work out, okay, how do we get from problem to solution? And that's what I see as my job. You talk about um, the work that you've done recently over the last years, really beginning to allow you to see who you are as an individual. And I think that's one of the really beautiful gifts of doing this type of work is that in order to work with other people and to um, help them to begin to see themselves as a complete and perfect or perfectly imperfect human being um, in their own individual light of who they are with all of their personal and unique experiences and what that brings to the world, the gift that they bring to the world. We have to have gone through a journey where we can look at ourselves and be really honest um, about ourselves and our flaws and our gifts and actually recognise that there is a balance in all of them. They're, they're, they're very connected, actually, um, and I think you're right, a part of our uh, the gift of ageing is that we begin to recognise that our flaws or the things that we used to believe were flaws, particularly when we are younger, um, are actually little gifts that allow us to begin to um, make choices really about how we want to react to that, whether we choose to continue to see those flaws as um, something which is um, an imperfection in ourselves, something that we um, pile lots of negativity on top of, or whether we begin to look at that and see what might be the gift. But to, to do that with others, we have to have done it in our own lives as well what would you say is um one of the one of the most important sort of jobs that you do when you're working with somebody who comes to you what what for you is is the most important aspect of the work that you do I think listening 
-hmm. I think we probably because as therapists we we do spend our time listening we might underestimate how important that is and sometimes it's listening so intently because sometimes it's not the obvious thing that jumps out at you it's the little comment that somebody makes that you it's that nugget of gold as a therapist or the thing that they tell you as they're walking out the door um and so it's 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 always listening always being aware but also i mean there's there's a few things really what going on from what you were talking about really i i feel that everybody has something brilliant about them something that they're brilliant at um and something to offer i like to think that everybody's got something that they can put back into the world no matter who they are what their background is what their skills what their intelligence whatever i think we've all got something um and i like one of the things that i like to see is a transition in my clients from feeling disempowered to feeling empowered and i think that is one of the greatest um i don't know how to put it into words but almost like achievements that can happen from working with someone is when it suddenly dawns on them that I can change my life or I am good enough and it's that empowerment or I don't have to listen to that person I'm not what that person told me and it's it's that that you just sometimes you can physically see and I know that you're going to relate to all of this but you can physically see a shift in someone they either during a session sometimes which is incredible or sometimes when they come back for the next session you're like whoa this is and we talk about the name of the book the energy of anxiety and there's an element of that in there where you're like it's not just the way you look but there is something about you that you can't see but you feel that their energy has completely changed and that's for me gives me goosebumps and creates adrenaline when I even talk about it because it is the most incredible thing to see in my mind as a, as a therapist. Me too Anne and as you were just mm. talking about that you know it always yeah. every time it's an it's a thrill you know. Yeah. I was going to talk to you about um, the, the title of your book being the energy of anxiety because um, you know it's uh, it's an unusual title isn't it? It could have been, uh, the title of the book could have been um, Me and My Anxiety, How to Overcome Anxiety. You know, um, there, there are sort of numerous titles. Really, really interesting to have the title of The Energy of Anxiety because um, it, it really is. It's that, that aspect that you've just talked about. It's that shift in that really um, intangible aspect of who we are and how we show up in the world. Um, The energy that we feel, um, that we recognise, you know, when we meet, if we think about uh, our friends or our family, we sort of know very often you can sort of walk into a room and and you just know that you're going to have a different energetic experience um, with different people. You can walk into a room and feel a very different energy when there are certain people in that room compared to a different group of people so uh, maybe for people who are listening it would be um interesting to just sort of like elaborate a little bit more on 
your idea of um, of energy and why you used the energy of anxiety in the title? Yeah, I think the term or the word energy, there's probably a number of reasons. One is because I, I for me, this what is important about this book is one I I like to think that people can relate to it. Not actually, to be honest, it's not just anxiety sufferers that are telling me they relate to it. It's everyday people. One client who's um, got some some health issues with her for her um, her child has health issues says to me it's helping her handle stress. Mm-hmm. And various people are saying, you know, oh god, yeah, I'd so understand what you're talking about that's so going on in my life Mm -hmm. um but it was important for me to sort of in the title express that this is more up to date than what lots of books are about there's a lot of you know the section there's a section on what I call perceptions on life you know how we see events um a lot of the techniques more so probably are energy techniques and these techniques can be so incredibly powerful in a whole host of ways in the way that we not just address the anxiety but then going forward how we see the world how we see ourselves how we look at situations and that a lot of these are energy techniques so we're working with our own body's energy system a lot of the time with these and I wanted the title of the book to reflect this, in my mind, more modern approach, even though some of these techniques have been around for decades, they're still considered relatively new because a lot of people haven't heard of them. Things like emotional freedom technique, more people know of it, but I still have clients who come to me who do not know about it. Um, Matrix re-imprinting and, of course, the wonderful colour mirrors. I wanted the title to reflect that. I also do firmly believe that anxiety is an energy and energy is very transformable. And therefore, we can dip out of that anxiety energy into something more powerful. And one of the very simple things that I've mentioned in the book is something that I use, which is if I dip into fear, the first thing I tell myself is that's an energy that I have created. Mm -hmm. And then I tell myself to check in right now. Is that fear happening? The answer is no. Mm -hmm. Therefore, if it's I've created that energy, I can let it go. Um, and now my subconscious processes that so quickly, I only have the beginning of the thought and it doesn't get to the end before my subconscious has processed that and it's gone. So I don't dip into the fear. So the biology is working so much quicker than even the, the, the thought process can. And that's really interesting because very often, um, we're not really aware of all of those sort of unseen processes that mean the body goes into this sort of behavior or this pattern of behavior. Um, and the biology has already accumulated all that information that's already stored um, and is acting on that. So as you say, the actual cognitive, the thinking process is so much slower than how the body behaves. And yet, as you've also said, you can begin to put in place these sorts of thoughts or repeating those sorts of thoughts or behaviours that can begin to break down that automatic reaction. And you've got to that point where 
as soon as you begin that thought process, that questioning, the body's already gone, oh, okay, yeah, I know this, and I know that that's not there for, we're not, I'm not actually in a truly um, difficult or dangerous situation, so I can switch all of that old stuff off. I know you t- talk about that and you you go into more of the sort of details of that in, in the book. I love the bite-sized nature of the information. So you put all of the information in very clearly, succinctly, and in, in sort of like very digestible chunks of information. So it's really a book that anybody um, can, can pick up and understand what's going on in their body a bit better and also have some really um, easy and massively um, you know impactful exercises that can shift people out just as you've you've just explained there Um, you know simple sort of changing that energy from where they're at to where they want to be Um, so I I, I thought that's that's lovely and there's lots of those all the way through the book it's it's really packed with um, with all of that so yeah I I I was interested because you were talking about um, those different sort of tools and techniques Um, all of them obviously you know you've talked about EFT matrix re-imprinting colour mirrors which um, we are both um, real advocates of Um, and uh, I wanted to ask you of all of the different tools that you've um, that you've trained in that you use with your clients what has been for you the most transformative? I think it's an element of, there's an individuality to it. Um, but yeah, I do think um, a combination of, it, I've sort of, to a degree, developed an element of my own way of working. But I do often see big, big shifts by dealing with the, the memories. That's probably got to be the biggest thing. Um, and And that's, you know predominantly matrix but i often use the not 99 of the time i'm using color with that as well mm-hmm. and in the same way i said before sometimes you see this physical shift in someone sometimes you, you just spray that color and i can see that physical shift sometimes and it's it's again it's the goosebump thing it's like whoa you know this person's got their eyes closed but it's the shift is there you can see it's sudden massive change in expression and just yeah. you can just know that something big's happened so the color for me has been a huge aspect not in so many ways i mean in terms of my therapy you walk into my studio and the colors are all there and as you know they are stunning and i can't now imagine my studio without them i've worked with color mir- mirrors for 5 years now and you know, I've got. An, I feel like my studio is very welcoming. It's got this amazing atmosphere. The colours just add something incredible to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but then I kept, I also feel that with the colours, it's been, they've improved me as a therapist because I'm. A, I love. I'm a big fan of the wording, not just the energy of the colour, but mm-hmm. to have the wording for the bottle. Whenever a new bottle comes out. Normally, I'm always asking, what's the wording for this? And I know that a lot of the, probably particularly people like you, who I know is incredibly intuitive, you 
probably don't need the wording, but for me that helps. And I feel that's helped me in so many ways, bringing new perspectives on life, Mm -hmm. on situations, on myself. And obviously, therefore, that transfers to my clients. Mm -hmm. Um, So the collars has been huge in, in many ways. And, you know, as I say about the colors, when I tell my clients about them so that I give them a little explanation, I can never do them justice in the few minutes that I'm talking about them um, because of what they they do bring in um, and the knowledge and the wisdom and everything that they're about, which is everything that we want in life. We want peace. We want joy. We want love. Uh, we just want to be in this wonderful place we want the I amness we want to feel centered in ourselves we want to connect with the earth and everything and that's all the things that make us feel good so for me they're a reflection of everything Mm -hmm. so you know I think probably like any therapist particularly in the energy world it's as much about our energy and what we feel is is good and what we feel works and I'm I'm somebody who's I'm a very active mind person um and people tell me I'm very grounded so you know sometimes with things like the colors you have very um I don't know quite what the term is um you might be able to think of a term but you know that's sort of outer worlds yeah and yeah exactly and I'm sort of told that I'm you know I'm the grounded one which I think has a good balance, particularly in the work that I'm doing when I'm working with people with all sorts of problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it is, it's it's what I believe in. And because my mind tends to be very active, I, I feel like I can process information very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been times when somebody's come in to me um, and I sat there and I thought, oh, I have no idea what I'm going to do with this person. And then by the time I've got them relaxed, because I do tend to put them into a little, do a little sort of trance, um, relaxation, as I prefer to call it, um, intro to get them in the right headspace. Um, by the time I put them in there, I'm, I'm in the flow and I know what I'm doing and I've made my decision as to how I'm going to work with this person. So it doesn't take me long and I, I can almost sense the processing going on way beyond my consciousness so again it's trusting the process well I think you're so right there and I'm looking at you and in your in your room that I know you know you painted your house with all these beautiful starlight colors and for those who don't know the starlights are a subset of the color mirror um, bottles I always think of you as a very grounded very earthed um, you know, rooted person, real, you've got your feet on the ground, your head is in the, you know, is in the very good place, practical, pragmatic, you know, getting things, you know, getting the job done, working through those sorts of processes, which makes you fantastic um, in the work that you do. Um, But also, I think that um, you, you do have this real depth and this richness, the, you know, the starlights, I know that you've really connected into those. And there is this beautiful, and I know you, 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 um, you know, you've, you've mentioned uh, about myself, but um, you have this beautiful intuitive nature, which is very much, um, I think, is, is this getting into this space of flow. 
And as somebody who comes from sort of like a musical background and as a musician and as a performer, um, it's very much that space that you get into when you're just in the process of flow, in the process of as a performer, if you're in the in the in you sort of always remember the first few bars of the music that you play and you sort of are conscious in the last moments of the music. And I don't know if this relates to you as, as, a, as, a, you know, as a sports person or as an athlete. It's, you'll have almost this conscious awareness, the way you're connected to your process at the beginning and you're connected at the end. Uh, you have a conscious awareness of what it is that you're intending and where you're going to go. But there's this whole movement and motion that happens between the beginning and the end that is just a flow where things happen and you almost have no real conscious connection to it um and you know I'm sure that musicians and other performers and sports in a way you know even um uh, competitive sports is a performance you're in that performance mode so you are in flow and I think that just really does give us that connection to um, this flow of information or this flow of process and this connection to not only what's going on in our own body but but what's going on around. Um, I'm not sure if that's intuition but it certainly is connection to flow and I think um, that's something that I always see and hear in, in what you do and in the work that you do um, and, I, and I know you know the starlight so I think are a really beautiful connection to that in terms of the colour mirrors I mean I think all of the colour system is um, puts us into that place of flow um, but I know that for you you've really had a real connection with the starlights um, I remember at the beginning of those uh, bottles sort of when they were created and Melissa created them that straight away you began putting them into these sort of combinations that were really remarkable um, and um, and then the bottles were actually created because the um, it was the essences that came first which as you, you referred to them earlier with, with as the sprays so we had this beautiful set of essences that, that, that arrived. Um, and you just, as soon as they arrived, you just sort of like, you were like, oh, these are my babies. I've been waiting for you. And they were suddenly there. And then you began putting them into these really beautiful combinations. I remember doing, uh, seeing you do that. Um, and then the bottles came out. Um, so I, I really noticed that, that these were like, they were like, you had a real connection with these. What, yeah. what do you think that is about for you? Again, I think it's com it is a combination. I mean, I have a, there's one bottle called Starlight Being, which I still have a huge, huge fondness for. And in fact, my bedroom is painted in Starlight Being colours, which is magenta and gold. And it feels like such a lovely, warm room. Um, and actually one of the recent ones I'm rather drawn to, which is Starlight Fire. So I, I've sort of got a couple of favourite starlights now. Um, so those are my two sort of real, real favourites. But the, I think it's the whole thing. I think there is something very different about the starlight energy, um, which I can't quite put my finger on. I think the wording... Um, again, as I said to you, I'm so drawn to the wording with the bottles and the wording melts me. It's the only way I can, and particularly the starlight being wording. I, when I'm reading that or somebody reads that to me, 
I feel like I'm in another place and I feel like I get this different sensation. And we talk about energy. Yeah. It takes my energy somewhere else. It puts me somewhere else. Um, so starlight being is almost less about the scent within the essence and more about the look and the wording. Starlight fire for me is very much about the scent. Um, and th those two particularly. But yeah, the, the whole starlights and they, again, they, they are what we want in life. They're love, peace, joy, and so on. Um, and there is just, you know, this different level of connection that I do feel to the starlights. Um, and I always make our tutor, as I always think of Karani still as our tutor. She's the lady that we um, trained with for our practitioner and teacher training. And Karani does always laugh at me because when a new bottle comes out, I'm always like, oh, I need one of those. Um, I'm sort of slightly less in terms of, um, wordy in terms of what they're all about and all that connection I'm just like I just want one because it looks amazing and I want that color and I want that bottle yeah. so um, there is it's quite strange in a way because like you say I'm quite I'm such a grounded person and yet there is this great draw towards these colors so it feels like it brings out a different aspect of me I suppose um, and, you know, again, in terms of when I work with clients, I, some clients will come and we will do what we call a grid, which is we focus maybe on specific issues and we can use the colours. The thing about the colours, because obviously a lot of people won't know what they're all about, the colour mirrors, is they're so versatile. Yeah. You can use them in any sort of way that you want to. Um, and I like looking at situations with them and I... I for instance, I did a session yesterday with a client and it was she was talking about her relationship, but I was looking more at what's all that, what's underneath all of that. Mm -hmm. You know, what's that person in your life for? What are they here to teach you and what and all of that? And and it she could not believe how intuitive she was at picking the bottle that's so related to what she was feeling. And I think that is the incredible thing with colour is what I love about the colour is my clients don't know what each bottle means. So I know that they're picking or selecting the bottles based on just what they're feeling a connection. Yes. And then I read the wording and they're like, oh my God, that is so spot on. Yes. And then they sort of get it. So in a different way. And again, just to touch on the colours, I know that a lot of practitioners, we all work in our different ways. And a lot of practitioners don't use the wording. They don't feel the need to do that. And that's how they work. And that's, you know, that's the beauty of it. It's different for different people. Um, and But that's just how I like to use it. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, that's, that's, it's so powerful, just that awareness when somebody realises that they've um, connected through some unknown aspect of themselves which we can just call which is that energetic aspect of of who we are which we all have um but which um very often it's not something that really in our particular culture and in our environment um you know creativity is sort of carved up and sort of put on the edge of education put on the edge of you know how we live our day-to-day -day lives as when we are adulting, you know, um, and the creativity aspect of ourselves is sort of, you know, carved up and, and we give very little time to it. 
but I think it's it's a really important aspect um, that that is part of uh, finding again that real connection to who we are, um, not necessarily having to find a creative activity. It doesn't have to be doing something, but just that connection to um, our creativity as individuals, you know, in the moment where we are and how we can, um, you know, it comes into that creativity is part of the choices that we make. Um, so having a choice about how we want to feel or how we want to see things. Um, but as you were saying with the colour mirror bottles or, or with colour, is that when somebody recognises that they've chosen something based on something based on their energy, something that was intangible, but they just had that connection. And then getting the words and then realizing that they're so appropriate. And then the other thing that I think is always really beautiful with the with the colour is that then there's always another aspect that can be chosen that can help shift and change that. So again, and they can make that choice just in that moment, um, in that very intuitive way. And then begin to allow that just to shift the energy and change it. We don't have to understand it. It's great to know and then to be able to put the words and have a conscious awareness and then go, ah. I think for me, part of the, the wording is sometimes it's giving people that mirror where they can then sort of with their logical mind go, yeah, that is it. That is it. That's the thing. Um, but it's not the... It's not the, it's not the understanding. It's not the labelling of it that allows the change to happen. It's the shifting the energy, but the understanding that somebody gets with that um, with that awareness is is what allows them to, I think, then become much more open to. I have this power. I have this energy thing going on, and actually it is making some sense to me because I think that for many of us, um, you know, that really is shut down through our education system. And as we get older, it's an aspect of ourselves that we have to begin to, um, or, or that we're taught to connect to less and less. Um, so I think that, you know, for me, I think it's one of those really, um, lovely things to see happening is is that the people begin to connect with and we can call that our intuition you know connecting with our energy body connecting with you know that flow of information that that isn't necessarily part of language um but that it's just you know it's a massive part of who we are as human beings and how we interact in the world how we interact with other people and how we think and feel about ourselves even um and um i think that's yeah the the, yeah. the power for me i think with color that's that's really astonishing i think just just to add on to what you said actually um i often see children in my work and colors obviously brilliant the children just love working with the bottles and with the children I don't need to do the wording I don't I don't you know I might occasionally just give them the slightest little inkling as to what a bottle is about they don't need it and I think that's the big difference isn't it that as we become adults we become we've been taught certain ways and certain things to think 
Um, And I think we're still a bit slower in the Western world at accepting certain things. Even, you know, even with hypnotherapy, I still get very sceptical people because they don't understand or they're fearful. And actually, you know, it's important to, one of the first things I do when people come for hypnotherapy is I explain, I put all the myths to bed so that they then understand the process better. Mm-hmm. And that really helps. So they're then more relaxed to do the process. Um, but I think, you know, like I say, with, with the children, they come in, Oh my God, I love those bottles. I just want to play with them. Okay. What bottle represents how you're feeling today? Which bottle are you drawn to today? Which bottle is your mom? Which bottle is your dad? And they think it's a great game. And yet you're learning about them all the time they're doing that. And you're learning what they're feeling. And they are healing at the same time. Absolutely. So that's, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's it. You know, um, it's that learning that as adults, we can do that as well. And, and let go of, you know, that these, um, something that you said earlier as well about, um, you know, when we don't necessarily feel that we are... Um, you know, particularly if, you know, people feel that they've not achieved academically or it's very easy in our society, I think, that we can, um, we very, at a very early stage in our life, we take on other people's thoughts about us, their judgments about us, how we've been categorised into a group of you're this type or you're that type, you're, you know, you're a sporty type, you're an intellectual type, you're an arty type. We're all of those things. Every, all of us are all of those yeah. things but very early on what happens is we are pigeonholed and categorized and I think we all have our unique gifts and things that we're better at but um part of I think you know and as you're you're explaining that and talking about working with children is that um you know is that and and as adults is is bringing us back to this sort of recognition that we can connect into all of those things um, and that everything as an adult can't be explained just through these sort of cognitive processes or you know and very often that's where people sit trying to work out problems Mm. you know trying to work out how to get themselves out of an issue or how they're feeling or how they're thinking and I I don't know if you find this but a lot of the time it's people you know they're trying to find a solution up here in the head here in the brain and in the mind and that's such a small aspect of where we can um of where we can find solutions because you know agree with that Anne Oh, completely. Um, actually, connecting with something you said earlier as well, um, when you talk about your music, um, it made me think about when I'm out on the bike is when I've solved most of my problems mm-hmm. um, and also when I've been most creative. I've come up with various ideas and often I've gone out on the bike and I've not, you know, you go into that zone and you can call it what you like. You can call it a trance. You can call it um, a sort of meditative type state. Um, you can call it altered brainwaves, you can call it what you like, but it is in a more solution-focused state of mind, that same state of mind when your mind is nice and calm. And without even knowing it, things pop into my head. I'm like, I'm going to do that. I need to do that. And I come back and I'm, I say to the husband, right, boom, 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 this is what we're doing, or this is how we're resolving this. And 
And I actually don't try to resolve my problems or try to work out how I'm going to do things. What I do is I'll just plant that little question. And this is what I say to my clients. I say, just plant the little question. What am I going to do about that? Then leave it. Yeah. Your subconscious or whatever part of you it is, whether it's your energy or subconscious, whatever, it will work it out. And then you're not having to put the effort in. And you're then linking with a vast database of information. Your conscious mind, the bit that analyzes everything, is 5% of your mind. 5% of your processes throughout the day are conscious. You know, you drive a car. Once you've learned to drive a car and you've driven a car for a little while, you're not thinking brake, accelerate. You're not looking at a red light going, right, what must I do here? You know exactly what you're doing. You brush your teeth. You don't think about what you're doing with the toothbrush. You just put it in your mouth. And if you, it's not a, um, an electric one, you're up, down, down. You just, you just know what you're doing. It's tying shoelaces. And the list just goes on. Every day, every day we do unconscious acts loads and loads of unconscious acts particularly as adults children do more conscious as they're learning and once they've learned those they've become unconscious mm -hmm. so actually i think probably the one of the biggest problems is we're probably all trying too hard you know society is trying too hard mm -hmm. and when we just back off and just take the time for ourselves and do the things that nurture and nourish us and make us feel good. I mean, I said to you just before we started, um, you know, it's been nice weather lately. I've been finishing fairly late with my clients, half seven, eight o'clock, but I've gone down to the beach for a swim and it's been great. And I've slept better as a result of that. And I've actually feel like I've got more energy and obviously it's great grounding. So therefore it's all good for my whole energy. Um, and I feel good for it. And it, I'm lucky it takes me you know probably the whole thing takes me half an hour by the time I've got down the road swam come back it's in living in Guernsey <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely um but this is the thing is we have been taught a certain way of doing things and we need to look outside the box and what if what you've been told for your entire life has not been correct we have we absorb information at a young age and believe it's correct but it might not be and that you know links in with how we feel about ourselves the thoughts we have about us that are oh, you know that thought i had when i didn't pass the 11 plus i'm not clever my brother's the clever one because he passed to college and he, he got a degree etc etc that's what i thought and yes, he's very clever and he's very intellectually clever, but I'm clever in a different way. And um, so we have to um, question maybe more of what we believe because it, there might be other options out there and it might not be true. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you chose a song by Snot and Kerr, um, mm. and um, we're going to have a listen to that now um and i thought it was quite a nice place to play this because um you know we've been talking about that sort of being in flow um you know that sort of letting go of, of um you know all of those um ideas maybe that, that that we've taken on about who we are or that or what we've been told who we are and maybe that's not true and, and i think you know she's she's one of my 
all-time favourite artists. Um, and um, do, you want, do you want to just sort of elaborate a little of why you chose this track? Um, I, actually, it was more about Sanatum than it was... I mean, I think the track for me is is probably one of the ones that just shows her voice off more than anything. I came across Sanatum because I um, was doing some Kundalini yoga and Sanatum was playing her songs on it. And I was just like, oh, wow, this woman has the voice of an angel. And I don't say that about anybody else. There's nobody else that I think that about. It is incredible. And I feel that her music for me feels like it's healing. Yeah. I can sit and I listen to her music. And in fact, every morning for an hour, I put on some relaxing, positive, beautiful music that feels like it's, you know, like her music that's healing. It's either hers or other, other music that's similar. And I feel like my body's absorbing that. And I think that's really beneficial. That first hour when you've just got up, um, we shouldn't be getting onto our phones or that sort of thing. We want to be still nourishing and nurturing our body and giving our subconscious the positivity because we're still just early in the day. We're still a little bit out of sync with the day. Um, and I, I have digressed. But um, to be honest, Sanatum, I think she's a lovely beautiful positive lady incredible beautiful music and I do think she's an angel that's come to earth to just help us and heal us and give us not just her beautiful music but her positive energy um and I think she's absolutely incredible and this, this is this song again does what starlight being does to me I think it just does something completely amazing and I think you know the reason why I just thought this was a great place as well as when you when you mentioned about you know not trying too hard and it's that angelic aspect you know um the, the, there's this just this perfect purity and beauty and simplicity and a connection to some peaceful aspect of who you know who we are and as you say um as an as an angel or as a as a light being who's who's come to share that energy and uh, through her music and her voice um mm. I, think, I think it's beautiful so we're going to play um play this track now which is carry me Guide me, guide me back home. 
So um, we were talking a little bit in um, during the song, and you were explaining explaining to me um, the importance of the exercises that are written in the book. Um, there's a lot of them, and as I was saying to you, you know, one of my uh, favourite sections in the book is actually um, section two um, and there are lots and lots of which is which is the foundation for change um, and you say here yeah, how you look at life life's experiences is critical to what you believe how you act and whether you create the life you want um, and this is section two and there are lots and lots of um, uh, little sort of I would call pearls of wisdom each one of these is sort of numbered out um, and they address a very specific aspect of what might be going on in your life um, and where you know that there may be issues and how to change maybe the way you're thinking about it and your mindset in that area. Um, but you were also mentioning about the exercises that are in here. So would you like to just sort of like talk a little bit about um, how you would like to see this book being used and how you think it will best help somebody who, who would be interested in one, reading the book and, and two, uh, you know, how, they, how it can practically help them? Yes. I think what a lot of people find is they really get into the book so then they want to read it all the way through and that's absolutely fine I think I can understand that and I can relate to that but then sometimes we have a tendency and I've done this before where I've read a really amazing book and I thought right I must go back and do those exercises and then I might get on to the next book or I just you know get on and do other things and I don't do those exercises in terms of helping people to, you know, beat the battle on anxiety, what doing the exercises will have a massive impact for them. And uh, some of these exercises literally do just take a few minutes and that's deliberate. So particularly the things in the mindfulness and meditation section, as an example, or the breathing, a lot of those will literally just take a few minutes. So, I've written it in that way because I realize that often people don't have time. Repetition of a lot of these exercises is going to help people as well. So with some of these, don't just do them the once. You've got to reprogram that mind. And obviously we talk about the energy as well, but in terms of the mind, it's about reprogramming. And in the same way that when you got into a car to learn to drive it, you didn't just do everything once and then know what you were doing. You had to program your mind to learn to drive you have to repeat that behavior and that's what will help you with these is keep repeating that behavior and also I think the other thing that's really important with the exercises is some you will really connect with and relate to and you'll really like and if those are the ones that help you great then you don't necessarily need to stick at all of them it's the ones that you feel you connect to and you get the best benefit from. I've deliberately put the book in the way that I have with each exercise set out because you can then know which ones you like and dip back into that um, and um, just keep working on them. So 
take the effort, for instance, there's quite a big section on the tapping and I've sectioned that out. So I've, I've almost made it a step by step because I know that when you've never done tapping, which is EFT and I call it tapping as well, when you've never done it, it can almost be a little bit overwhelming to know where to start, which is why I've said, okay, let's do this part first. And, you know, first of all, get used to the tapping points. That's number one. So that's laid out. So don't rush through it. Take your time with the exercises and really commit to them. And I will be absolutely surprised if somebody who suffers with anxiety doesn't read this book, um, take it in, do the exercises, I'd be amazed if it didn't help them in some way or another. It would, it would shock me a lot um, because I really, I know that these things help. I know it. I use a lot of these exercises with my clients or I've used all of them with my clients at some point or another. Um, the perception section, so the foundation for change as, as we, I've labeled it. Again, these are things that I talk to my clients about. So I know these are things that are relevant. N- not every section is going to be, completely relevant and that's okay mm-hmm. go with what feels right for you link in with the exercises that you connect with and that help you um, and you will gain from it you would definitely gain from it yes yeah I think so I think there's a you know as I say the only way I can see this it felt like sort of diving into the ocean of Anne and (laughs) and under the surface you know there's just this whole wealth of information and knowledge and all these little pearls of wisdom I felt like oh you know oh that's uh, even myself you know as a as a practitioner um just sort of as I read each of these little um little sort of numbered sections I just found in each of them there's just a pearl of wisdom um and um and i and i just i can't uh recommend this book enough if um, thank you even if it's just a first step to realizing that you can begin to um shift how you think about things um and begin to open up this possibility that that things could change um i think it's it's you know it's it's brilliant even in that respect but that i think we don't realize just how empowered we really are and one when again when I'm working with my clients I move them for me it's about moving them out of victim mode because victim we see as powerless Mm -hmm. and if you're if you feel that you're a victim if you you're therefore feel powerless and that's not being in a position or an energy or whatever you want to call it to change and it's important to feel empowered it's important and sometimes it's just taking that first step and one little thing change and then you suddenly realize, oh yes, there's more to this. Um, you you had a little joke in whilst the song was playing about um, one of my favorite sections. Am I allowed to say it? Um, the my, my shit, your shit <laughs> section. Um, and actually it's funny because I use this with my clients and you know occasionally it creates a little bit of humor but actually that little phrase sticks in their mind and we talk about it because what I'm saying is deal with your shit deal with the crap that's going on in your life the stuff that's affecting you the things that bother you because you can deal with that you can work through it whether you work through it with a therapist 
with the use of my book or another book or other things, other tools at your disposal, in whatever way works for you, deal with that. But do not take on other people's shit. And what I find talking to them about this does for them is they, first of all, they start to recognize how much of other people's stuff they're taking on. You know, whether it's the negativity from other people or other people putting guilt on them or suggesting that they should be a certain way or they're not doing this or why aren't you helping me? And we can have compassion for people and we can have empathy for people, but we have to also draw the line somewhere sometimes in terms of what we take on. So if, for instance, you said something and that triggered a negative emotion in me, as long as the way I look at it, you act with good intent, you have no intention to hurt me, you um, act with, you know, from the heart and you know you're a good person, you've got a clean slate. I have to address why I've reacted in that way because then I'm empowered. While I feel the victim of a comment from you, I'm in victim mode, I'm powerless. When I recognize in myself that actually that comment has upset me and it's not really the comment, the comment is almost just a, um, a an indication that there's something that I have not resolved, mm-hmm. I'm empowered because I can go, okay, what is that about really? And, and follow the thread from there. Okay. So we are empowered and we must step out of victim mode. And like I say, sometimes it's the most simple little techniques or little comments. So, you know, the my shit, your shit thing, it's, it's, it's amazing how powerful that's been because clients come back to me and they say, oh yeah, I, I started to apply that and I realized actually that's not my shit I'm taking on that's that's yours so you can have that and it it is it's really empowering so um even though it it sounds like a little funny little um chapter it's actually got a lot of power to it absolutely and all of those and I think it's a perfect example of this uh lovely aspect of the um you know of your joyous and fun loving nature and how you bring that to you know what are actually really serious um issues and how people can shift their perception and their ideas um you know and and really begin to make those sort of changes in their lives um so i think you know i i i wanted to say thank you for giving us your time today and talking further about your book um, and really giving us some insights into you and your work and what's really, you know, brought this book into fruition and how it can be best used by people. And we're going to finish with um, your second song that you chose, which I think is a really great outro, um, which is Queen, Don't Stop Me Now. And uh, if you want to just give a little intro to this and why you chose it, uh, it seems to be, to me, it seems to be a perfect sort of ending for what's been a really great interview. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, Freddie Mercury was an absolute star. Um, I I love Queen and their music and songs like Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, This actually is the song I keep saying I must have played at my funeral. It's like, it's got to be my funeral song. Um, so bear that in mind. Um, but, um, also the other thing was linking back to my cycling days, 
we used to actually play, um, actually often it was Bohemian Rhapsody on the way to cycle races. And we used, me and my husband, he wasn't my husband at the time, but he is my husband now. We used to sing along to it like crazy, top of our voice, tons of energy, probably burnt half our energy before we even got to the race singing away. But also it became a thing that if I was doing a race and we ever heard Queen on the radio, which strangely happened quite a lot, um, then it was a sign that I was going to have a really good race. And just very quickly, I referred to the 2003 Island Games. And the final race I had to do was a town criterion, which is basically a manic race around the town. And it's sort of short loops and it's lots of corners and that sort of thing. And I was exhausted that day. I'd already done four full-on races. The whole excitement and adrenaline had drained me. I remember just feeling absolutely exhausted. And as I was warming up um, on, on my bike, I heard Queen and I was like, oh, wow, that's come on. And I was like, that's got to be a sign. And sure enough, I, I won, won the gold in that event, which was the last event of the game. So it was like really, really special. Um, and I, this for me is probably one possibly my favorite queen song and as i say i've got to have it played at my funeral i just i think it's amazing and obviously the energy in it is brilliant so very different energy to snatton but it's also a very big part of the, the type of um music that i like yeah i think it's a great choice and um and you know don't stop me now it says everything it needs to say doesn't it so absolutely for for, for all of us really you know it it's um keep going and um like i say the biggest message is you can change the first step is to be open to change and be open to what's out there and available there's so much amazing um help that you can get out there um and you you can change but you've got to be willing to change thank you Anne. thank you tonight i'm gonna have myself a real good time i feel alive and the world i'm turning inside out yeah. i'm floating around in ecstasy so don't stop Shooting star leaping through the sky like a tiger defying the laws of gravity. I'm a racing car passing by like Lady Godiva. I'm gonna go, go, go. There's no stopping me. I'm burning through the sky. Yeah. 200 degrees, just while they call me Mr. Fahrenheit. I'm traveling at the speed of light. I wanna make a supersonic man out of you.
Good time, I'm having a ball. 